Man, a solo late night pod doesn't get any better than this. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to episode 26 of the Leafs Line Podcast. My name is Mario Russo, your host as always. And uh, tonight it is a late one. It is 12.30 Eastern time, but I had to get this one out here. And I really have some big news to say and some news to the fans. To kick off the show here, I'll start with all you guys, the listeners, the guys who sort of motivate me to do this podcast and keep on going forward week to week with this show. Uh, I'd like to thank you from the bottom of my heart, and I think I thank you from the people on the show, Michael Iaboni, Ada McCullough, Joshua Levesque included. Uh, we can all thank you guys for reaching 500 plays uh, through 26 episodes. I, I didn't think it'd ever get this far. I started this podcast up uh, all the way back in, I believe it was Valentine's Day down in February. I, just to get my practices in, I'm going to sports media for Ryerson University come the fall. So I'm really just trying to get my practices in. I, I think there's been some improvement there, but hey, if you're getting some fans with it and you're getting some love, why not ride that wave? And I appreciate it a lot, guys, from the bottom of my heart. I can't stress that enough. I thought I had to kick the things off of the show just by thanking you guys. You're the big reason why the show keeps on going out week to week. And I really appreciate it. All your listens, uh, it means so much to me. And uh, thank you guys so so much. Let's hope we can make it make it like that going forward and 500 more to come. But uh, this show here, I'm unfortunately Michael Iaboni, Aiden McCullough, and Josh uh, were away today. They... I, w- I would understand since so late. I couldn't really get them on for the pod. But I will go forward with this. I know it's a Monday one. We skipped last week on Sunday. Uh, this one had to get out here. We got some decent news for the show tonight on week 26 of the Leafs Line podcast. And kicking things off, Austin Matthews, he will be out six weeks. He should be here by the start of training camp. That's a positive sign, but how will this affect his come to play in October. How has goal touch come back? Uh, will this affect his goal touch? What is going to be going on with number 34 when the time comes and he needs to get playing? We'll be getting into that. Uh, Jumbo Joe Thornton, this one is a big topic for me. I'll be getting into that as well. I did mention briefly and gave my opinions pretty clearly on Joe Thornton heading to Florida. He signed a one-year league men deal down there. Uh, It really left a bitter taste in my mouth. I'm sure a lot of Leaf fans could side with me here and just a lot of fans from the game as well. But Joe Thornton heading to Florida, if you go check out my article on the Leafs Madness page, my uh, big sports blog page that I post a lot of articles to, uh, you could definitely check out my opinions there. I'll get into it as well in this podcast. But yeah, we'll just dissect it a little bit later. I don't want to spoil too much then, but the gist of it, I'm not too big of a fan, and you wouldn't really be thinking why, but I will let you guys know for sure. We'll also be getting to Pionk. He's been leading the way for the Jets on the defensive end. He has been locked up on his contract, uh, $23.5 million for four years. A terrific price for him, but how will he perform leading that Winnipeg Jets defense? And how close is the Winnipeg Jets defense from being uh, lackluster and mediocre to absolutely elite and a top 10 defensive core in this league? We'll be dissecting that as well. And Shesterkin, he has been locked up for four years he has made history not only with his first career first 12 career starts back in 2019 but of course being the largest second year contract for a netminder in the league's history uh good on Shesterkin he is the rookie for the uh New York Rangers he is their future there along with Gorgiev who has requested a trade so I hear we don't know how much that's going to be coming to fruition but with Shesterkin here he is their number one guy he's their youth we all know that teams have it Spencer Knight's a big key example down in Florida the New York Rangers have that in Shesterkin. We'll begin to him, what this contract means for himself, the team, and what he can provide for the New York Rangers, the Blue Shirts, who are trying to make a run back into the postseason. It's been quite a while, and they have the offense to do it. Let's see if the goaltending keeps that. And, of course, 
else to finalize the show here. The NHL, it's been making vaccines mandatory uh, for players. And I wouldn't say too much mandatory considering that the players can't play if they don't get vaccinated, but they have pushed the envelope quite a bit here. Uh, more progress than we've seen in the last couple of weeks or so. It is starting to gain traction, and uh, I think we're coming to see it slowly come to a head. I'll be getting into all the protocols and the rules that the NHL came into fruition with, but of course, they're following up with other major league sports, right? MLB, Major League Baseball, they're very loose around their COVID restrictions and how that works. If you got to be vaccinated or not to play, the NFL laid the hammer down really early in the season for these players who wish to be unvaccinated and play the game. Uh, we'll be dissecting how the NHL compares to the other leagues around sports and vaccine-wise, and of course, what this means for the league in general. There's a lot of effects. There's going to be a lot of things going on with this National Hockey League in these upcoming years, especially when they're coming back from this pandemic. And this this is probably the first year where it starts. They had the shortened season this year. This is their first kick out of the can in quite a while for that long season, the 82 games that they're trying to hit. Hopefully, this NHL vaccine rule that they're putting into play will benefit them. But to kick things off, Austin Matthews, my personal favorite player on the Maple Leafs under Zach Hyman, who has sadly left. Matthews has bumped up to that spot right then and there. And how can you not love the guy? He scores goals at a ridiculous pace, puts up numbers all all night, all long, all season long, but when he's healthy. And this is going to be a big question mark heading into this year. He did undergo successful wrist surgery on Friday. The timetable is six weeks. Now, this leaves him ready to start by camp by, I believe, camp starts mid-September for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So he should be ready then. No need to sweat Leafs fans. He is in good hands. The Leafs have the best doctors. It is a proven fact. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going off of bias here. It is a proven fact. They have the best doctors in the National Hockey League. And I'm sure they're going to have Austin Matthews uh, right then and there and ready for him to be uh, playing. And... His wrist injury was nagging him a bit last season. We all know that. Uh, he did have a little bit of a stretch where he couldn't really get things done on the offensive side. And you could, you're going to be like, Mario, what do you mean? He won the Rocky Richard. He was scoring goals at a ridiculous pace for his uh, stature. And yeah, you're right. But he did have a couple slumping days where he couldn't find anything or fire anything in the back of the net. And if you remember correctly, I know I was paying really close attention to this. But if you remember correctly, uh, Austin Matthews was on a – he sort of went uh, – in uh, the front of the net, if you will, staying in those areas of the ice. He was trying to get goals from there. And he did get a few tip-ins and little tap-ins from the crease and all that going across the paint. Uh, that's what he sort of adjusted to. And once his wrist started getting a little back into the groove, a little bit more uh, st stamina in it, and he got a little more comfortable playing in it, his goal scoring took off. And I mean, we all know how that worked out. He did win the Hart, tr uh, the Hart Trophy. Could have been a little bit of a stretch, but he did win the Rocky Richard Trophy with his goal-scoring abilities. And this is what I'm a little worried about. Not too concerned, but there is a bit of concern now that he got this surgery. It really leaves, I think, Leaf fans will be in the same boat with me when I say this. Scratching my head of why he didn't get the surgery a little bit sooner. Now, there was a lot of time in the offseason to get this surgery. Maybe something has to do with the medical things. You have to let the wrist settle a little bit. I've never really dealt with a wrist injury to his liking and stature, but uh, I'm a little confused. Maybe we'll hear about it in a little bit, but... Why he didn't get it a little bit sooner, it would have been a lot more beneficial, but maybe he wants to get right back into the swing of things once camp hits. So uh, it could be just Matthews wanting to be uh, ready right when the things kick off. It could be just a personal thing, or the wrist injury just requires that sort of uh, attention at that specific time. I'm not a doctor. If I was, I would not be doing this podcast, but uh, I think that's the reason why the timetable six weeks and why he will be slotted in come training camp hopefully there's no setbacks in this injury guys uh you have to remember these guys are pro athletes things happen and 
And hopefully, fingers crossed, it doesn't happen to Austin Matthews here. He's a big part of this team, as we know. Uh, it would be, I mean, we've seen the Leafs go on without him, including that wrist injury that he suffered for a couple games last season, and including some injuries that he suffered as well in the seasons prior. And they do have a very good record when they're with Austin, without Austin Matthews, and of course, when they are with Matthews. But uh, the guys tend to step up when Matthews is absent, most notably Mitch Marner and William Nylander tend to hold the weight for the Maple Leafs when their star is out, number 34. When he's on the lineup, these guys are killing it on the goal sheet but looking like he's going to be ready looking like he's going to be healthy October I think is a for sure date September it looks like he's slowly going to get back into it in training camp but let's hope fingers crossed he returns to play uh, as soon as possible but as healthy as possible these are wrist injuries guys you can't have this uh, nagging at him any longer this is why he's getting the surgery I would suppose as an athlete myself uh, if you have a chance to get a surgery for a nagging injury or anything to take care of that nagging injury you nip it in the bud as soon as you can especially when the season's over it gives you so much time to recover and I think Matthew's in that same boat and this is the question will this be a nagging injury like last season and will it affect his scoring touch I don't think so and the reason why I don't think so is because Austin Matthews is a very smart hockey player you have to know that and you have to understand that as an opposition and as the guys on his team he knows how to adapt when it comes to playing the game. We saw it, like I was mentioning off the top of the segment here, when he was hurting his wrist and when he was in that pain, what did he do? He drove right in front of that and started tipping goals home. He knows how to adapt to the game. He knows how to change his style of play. And uh, he wasn't getting crushed in the corners like he sometimes does when he's hot and when guys want to rip his head off because he's putting the puck in the back of the net, left, right, and center. He changed his game. He just stayed a little bit in front of the net, not getting in too many battles in front of the net, but just sort of roaming that crease and tipping things because his hand-eye coordination is elite. And if you haven't checked out a video of him playing for the Blue Jays, taking some BP, I suggest you check that out. That'll just show you what I'm trying to say here is hand-eye coordination is elite. And that's what I'm trying to say. He can adjust to the game. He knows what he has to do. And this injury, with the surgery that he's going to be getting, the doctors, the treatment, it's not going to be a nagging injury, I do not think. And if it is, he will be in good hands. And the Maple Leafs, I do think, will be in good hands as well with their depth and how they've always come up when Austin Matthews, number 34, has gone down. I don't think it's going to affect his goal-scoring touch. I think we're going to see a bit of a decrease from last season because that was a crazy season. A totally different set of divisions, uh, alignments, and a totally set of different set of teams you're going up against. You've got to face uh, the Florida Panthers a bunch of times. That goaltending situation is a bit of a question mark, but Spencer Knight does have some promising signs. Tampa Bay Lightning, you're facing Vezina winner, or sorry, runner-up Vezina winner, Andre Vasilevsky, and the two-time back-to-back Stanley Cup champ, Andre Vasilevsky, who was uh, looking to go for the three-peat here with his skill set and his rating there. And other teams, like the Boston Bruins, uh, they're going with a young tandem. Of course, Linus Elmark has been making his way to the team. He's going to be a pretty uh, interesting piece to look out for in that Atlantic division. So a lot of key goaltenders that are going to be stopping the puck in that division with the more matchups you play. And I don't think Austin Matthews is going to score as much as he did last season. And it's hard to say because it was such a shortened season. You're adding another 20 games or so into that season. You'd think that he would be playing much more and getting more goals. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I don't think it's going to affect his goal-scoring touch. But uh, I think we're just going to have to wait and see, of course. Uh, we haven't seen him hit the ice since, I want to say, mid-May when the Leafs exited against the Montreal Canadiens in the first round. Uh, the injury didn't look like a, a big problem. The wrist didn't look like a big problem in that series. Uh, you might sort of question his goal-scoring ability in that series. It wasn't there, and it, quite frankly, hasn't really been there for the Toronto Maple Leafs in the playoffs. I think it's a sort of different can of worms where we're trying to open up here. I don't think that has anything to do with the injury part of this thing. And I think it's just... Uh, something that you don't want to see 
anymore. And I think this is not going to be it. I don't think it's going to be a nagging injury. I think he's settling it and handling it the specific way that he wants to, uh, the right way that he wants to, and hopefully we can avoid a Jack Eichel situation where uh, the doctors didn't help him whatsoever. And I think Toronto's not going to let that happen. His goal-storing touch is going to be there. Don't you worry, Lee fans. I can assure you Austin Matthews is a much more smarter player than you may think. It's not all goals, goals, goals for him. He knows how to do his job when he needs to. And is this going to be the first of many that we're going to see from the Leaf star? He has been injured quite a bit. I don't want to say extremely because he hasn't been off the ice more than he's been on it. But I remember he had a upper body injury. I believe it was his shoulder. Uh, I remember he got hurt against the Winnipeg Jets in one of those games at home. And he missed some significant amount of time. I think it was a month or so. And the Leafs did do very well with him out of the lineup. It was a different year. I believe that was their year when they lost to the Boston Bruins. That second season in the playoffs where they put up 100 points or something like that. It was a crazy season. Freddie was on. The offense was rolling. And the defense was somewhat keeping up. There was a lot of goals going in the back of the net. But they were holding their own. And uh, Austin Matthews did get hurt there. I think he dealt with another hand injury as well in the past. And this wrist injury is just adding on to that long list, or hopefully not so long anymore, of injuries for this t- for this guy. And uh, I don't know. Injuries is a, is a weird thing in this league. Uh, lots of star players tend to get injured quite a bit because of their talents and what they've been doing on the ice and off the ice training-wise. Uh, you look at a guy like uh, Connor McDavid. He doesn't get injured too often. I remember he had that really nasty one uh, in his rookie year. But... He's one of those guys where he's always healthy, his body's trained, and he won't miss starts or playoff starts or whatever have you uh, because of an injury. I think Austin Matthews resides in that same boat, those same star players that even train together at some times. So I don't think this is going to be a start of a long list of injuries for the number 34, and I just think he's going to come back a little bit stronger, I think. Uh, This wrist injury does usually play a part on the sort of potential a player has. We already know the potential Austin Matthews has, and we sort of got the other end of the shaft with Ilya Mikheyev, if you remember correctly. I was talking about this on, I believe, last week's episode of the show, and he was in uh, a tough situation, a tough spot, where his wrist sort of got slashed against the New Jersey Devils, and he has never been the same since. Now, I don't think Austin Matthews is going to follow that suit. I think uh, Matthews has a much more greater impact on this team and a much more greater toolbox and skill set than Ilya Mikheyev does. Uh, that is for certain, but no, I don't think Matthews is going to be kept back from his goal-scoring abilities with this injury. I don't think it's going to be the first of many for a number 34, and I think he's going to be just fine and ready and ready to go and get rolling in this Atlantic division when the Maple Leafs face off against, I believe it's the Ottawa Senators opening night. Uh I think it's in Toronto. I'm not too sure. I have to double check on that, but I think he's going to be ready for opening night. Uh, I even think he's going to be ready for training camp, mind you. So uh, just a quick update on the Leafs star, uh, how he's going to be doing, what's going to, the timetable going to look like, and I think he's going to be all right, guys. I think that's all I'm going to say on this segment here. Austin Matthews, he is a trooper. He's a goal scorer. He's a guy who just never seems to give up. I think he'll be just terrifically fine. And his goal scoring, maybe you'll see a little bit of a decrease, but I don't think that you got to blame that one on the wrist injury. And just moving on a little bit to our next segment here, uh, Joe Thornton. Now, we are the Leafs Line Podcast. We've been talking a lot of Leaf players throughout the entirety of the show. Uh, Matthew just kicked things off, and we're going to get right into Joe Thornton. Now, this deal, guys, has left a sour taste in my mouth, to say the least. Now, it is a one-year, $750 contract with the Florida Panthers. Now, you're going to be wondering, well, why does this bother you, Mario? He's an old guy. Uh, he's, I believe, 43 years old, 42 years old, going on 43. Uh, he's been completely around the block in this entirety of the NHL. He's uh, played, he's breaking records left, right, and center for the amount of games played as a Leaf and as an NHL player. He's He's been 
through a lot. He's been through a lot of teams. He's been rolling through a lot of towns. And his new one here in his 24th season in the National Hockey League is the Florida Panthers. And this is the reason why I'm a little upset. Look at a guy like Nick Felino, And Nick Felino, this one was also a guy. I didn't really get to get into it too much last week when we were talking about him and the Boston Bruins and the contract. He stuck there, but... He said when he came down to Toronto, he wanted to be here. He, we gave up a first-round pick for him. We gave up a pretty fair value. I would even consider it a bit of an overpay for a guy like Nick Foligno. And if you look at it in hindsight, it was a great trade for the Maple Leafs, that all-in mentality by Kyle Dubas. But it didn't really pan out that way, as we all know. But going back to Joe, uh, Nick Foligno going down to Toronto, he really wanted to be there. His dad played in Toronto. Uh, he put up so he said all the right things in his press conferences. Uh, he he looked like he really could take the next step, maybe even be an alternate captain, or even a future captain if John Tavares were to go some other place or something were to happen. Per se, we all know how he dealt with that injury before. What if it was career ending? I this is just throwing stuff out here, and you never wish this on any player. But I thought maybe Nick Foligno would be one to step up if something like that were to ever happen. Because of his attitude. He was a captain down in Columbus. Uh, He has that great attitude in the locker room. And he's just a guy who you would think is just a pure leaf. What does a pure leaf have? What does a true leaf, Toronto Maple Leaf, have? Well, courage is one. Pride is another. Um, Willing to sort of battle through adversity is the big one for me. And both these players here, Nick Foligno and Joe Thornton, failed to do that. And that's the reason why the sour taste is left in my mouth. And Joe Thornton will swing it back to him. He signed a contract with the Florida Panthers just a couple days ago. It, I, I don't understand. He he came to Toronto. He said all the right things. He wanted to be here. That is a guarantee for his hometown, play in front of his hometown crowd. And he wanted to be a veteran leader to these young guys in the locker room. He had such great chemistry with this team. Um, the impacts he had on and off the ice, I think a little bit more off the ice, were tremendous. I think it did great things for this team. And the Toronto Maple Leafs didn't face too much adversity this season. I think we could all agree on that. They looked from the uh, top spot below on the other teams. They were really looking down on everyone else. For the majority of the season, they played a terrific regular season against the other Canadian teams in the North Division. <clears throat> and Joe Thornton maybe didn't play too much of a role on the offensive end, only putting up 32 points in 52 games. And he did play a little bit on that top unit with Matthews and Marner, but... I, this is what I was waiting for to pin my exact evaluation on Thornton. I knew he was an old guy. I knew he wasn't going to put up points for the Maple Leafs. I knew he was going to reside a lot on that fourth line. He got us some power play to opportunities, some time on that first line as well. It never worked out. I didn't really have a problem with that. Hey, you experimented. It didn't work. Let's move on. But this is where I'm going to pin my evaluation on Thornton. He never really came in here and gave a veteran leadership sort of speech. Not that I know of. I've seen him on the locker room, but... The Maple Leafs didn't ever battle through adversity with him on the team. Like, th- there wasn't much adversity they faced. They did battle a lot of injuries. They were one of the few teams in this league that got hit really hard with the injury bug. Uh, but Joe Thornton was never really a part of that run where they were winning games with a lot of guys out because he was one of those guys out of the lineup. And even in the playoffs, when they went down from three, they were up three to one and then went to three to two. Three to three, that pivotal game seven. And then you see that camera pan out on the bench, and Joe Thorne is right dead center in that frame. And you can see the look on his face. He looked like he wasted his whole year down here in the Toronto. And by that, t- that frame, once it hit me, I knew he was gone. I'm not surprised about this deal at all. He was in UFA. He was obviously destined to go somewhere. The Leafs had no purpose for him. I don't think he earned another contract or another stint with the Maple Leafs. And I think this contract here <clears throat> will go down at least for me, and you're going to be thinking a little bit crazy of me right now before I say this, but I think this contract for Kyle Dubas is one of the worst contracts he signed. 
And <clears throat> it is only league minimum. It is only one year that they sign him for. But to bring a guy like this in your locker room, a guy that had so much promise, said all the right things, just for him to leave very quickly, and too quick for my liking, at least. I wrote about that in my article as well on the Leafs Madness page. Definitely uh, think you should check it out. But I, I don't like it. It's just that he has such a loyalty to this team. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's just right there. It's pretty clear. The undermined factors that he had were terrific. He had a great effect on this team, and he just left and said the exact same things he said with the Leafs heading into the season. He's saying that right now with the Florida Panthers. And that's another thing that bothers me about Joe Thornton. Not that I'm part of the Joe Thornton hate club, but it just left a weird taste in my mouth. I thought I had to get it out here. And, uh, yeah, I don't know about you guys. Maybe comment on the stream if you want, but does this leave a sour taste in your mouth? I know it does for me. I have explained it immensely through this segment here on Joe Thornton, but I don't know. I I hope he does very well in Florida. His role is going to be heavily decreased, obviously, with that skill talent up front for the Florida Panthers, but... Yeah, it wasted contract in my opinion. Not not a, not a huge risk for Kyle Dubas. Seven hundred fifty thousand, you could bury that easy, but not not what I like to see from a guy like Joe Thornton, his leadership and what he can bring to this team. Didn't get enough out of him, and what I thought I would see from Joe Thornton, I guess we will never know. I thought he was going to be a leader with this team. I think it just went sideways and. I guess this is what we have to see from him going forward in Florida. He's an older guy. He's going to be retiring in the next three years max, I think. <clears throat> and I wish it would have been with the Leafs. But, hey, it's a business. He's a UFA. He's established himself in this league and more than established himself. He has the ability to choose what he wants to do. <clears throat> I just think this might have been the right, wrong choice for the veteran uh, Joe Thornton. So uh, the Jumbo Joe career is said and done here in Toronto. It was a great run. But unfortunately, not great enough for Jumbo to make him stick around another year or two. And that's all I've really got to say about Jumbo. I, I'm going to miss him down here, his beard, his <clears throat> atmosphere he brought. I'm excited to see what he brings to that new documentary coming out about the Leafs, uh, All or Nothing. You're going to see a lot of his character side coming out on that one uh, in a bunch of those episodes. Looking forward to seeing that and uh, <clears throat> all the other players that have been leaving the Toronto Maple Leafs organization, which have... <clears throat> Left some sour tastes in my mouth. Uh, we'll be moving here to Neil Pionk now. The Winnipeg Jets and the Neil Pionk, both sides avoiding arbitration and inking a deal at four years, $23.5 million, 5.875 AAV. Now, <clears throat> thing about Neil Pionk here, he's a great player, great defenseman, all you want in defenseman, totally, on the offensive side and the defensive side. Uh, he averages 20 minutes per night uh, last season and recorded 32 points in 52 games. Uh, in that shortened season as well. And he did play on the top defensive pair. Now, the only thing was his power play time was hard to come by under Paul Maurice. Now, <clears throat> I'm not sure why. Maybe it was a locker room thing. Maybe just Paul Maurice wanted to balance his lines a little bit more. But uh, he didn't get much power play time on that first line with Shifley and Wheeler. But <clears throat> he did have the second power play time. He did some, get some power play points. But I think we're going to see an accelerated role with Neil Pionk this season. Uh, he's established himself. He had that breakout year this season. And if you remember, he, uh, the Jets got a first-round pick uh, for Neil Pionk. <clears throat> and they sent Jacob Truba their way to, I believe it was New York Rangers in that trade. So uh, definitely a win for them in the hindsight. Didn't look very promising. Now, most definitely, it is a win. Neil Pionk had a career year last season. And he's going to look to continue it this season with this, this Jets team that I want to get into just a little bit right now. Uh, they don't have anyone on their books right now. They just locked up Andrew Kopp. For a one year at 3.64, totally deserved by Cop. He was one of the hottest pickups in the Yahoo Fantasy this season, and uh, he had some streaky points in the in the regular season. 
And uh, that completes all the books and all the contracts that had to be signed for the Winnipeg Jets. So they're clean, and they can go out feeling like the weight is lifted off their shoulders. They have everyone locked up for the next season. They will be set come opening night. Now, <clears throat> this is what I'm a little concerned about. Not too big of a concern, really. But does this, uh, but does this time change with the arrival of uh, Dylan and Schmidt uh, and these guys that have come into the organization as of right now? For in this offseason for the Winnipeg Jets, they did bolster that blue line quite a bit, bringing in both Schmidt and Dylan. Will that affect Neil Pionk's uh, spot on the roster? Now, he was a uh, first-pairing defenseman on this Winnipeg Jets team. We all know that he put up all those points <clears throat> from that position. I don't think it's going to affect him. I think he's the much better player from that set of three, and I think he's going to be doing just fine, even better, in my opinion, uh, with these set of players that he'll be playing with. <clears throat> and where does this rank the Winnipeg Jets Defensive core amongst other teams. Now, if you're listing defensively sound teams, I think first and foremost, you bring up the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Stanley Cup champs. You don't win two cups back-to-back without a sound defensive core. <clears throat> so you could put the Tampa Bay Lightning up right there. I think Vegas, you could throw in there Shea Theodore, uh, Alex Petrangelo, uh, all those guys down there. Uh, another team you could even throw into the water here, the New York Islanders, the Montreal Canadiens, so many other teams that are so defensively sound. <clears throat> Did the Jets qualify? Well, with the acquisitions that they made this offseason, I totally think so. And I think we're just going to have to see how it even pans out. I think Neil Pionk is due for another great season. Uh, I mean, I know Aiden's usually the one giving these fantasy advices, but uh, definitely recommend picking him up. He'll be playing top minutes in Winnipeg. And the Winnipeg Jets do have a pretty solid roster that they'll be sticking out following their 4 to nothing sweep. <clears throat> uh with, with the Edmonton Oilers and then getting manhandled by the Montreal Canadiens in the postseason. But I think they'll be fine. I think Neil Pionk will lead the way. And this contract's perfect for him. A perfect set. <clears throat> and just great to see that the, these two sides avoided arbitration. You didn't want to end this career uh, with the Winnipeg Jets on a sour note. Glad to see him returning to that Jets squad. And I think Winnipeg's defense will be seeing a huge increase in where they're going to be ranked amongst this league. Uh, they got the right pieces in place. Just a matter of time to see if they can perform or not. Neil Pionk is due. You can mark my words on that. He is due for another great season. I bet you that. And uh, we're just going to move into our second last segment here. It is a long night. Uh, currently right now, 12.33. <clears throat> Sorry about that. But uh, Elias Shesterkin here, four years at 5.65, and he was an RFA for this team. So the New York Rangers have locked up this player for quite a little bit. Uh, he is the largest, like I mentioned off the top of the show in the introduction, largest second-year player to ever, uh, sorry, largest second-year contract for a netminder ever in the National Hockey League. That says something about this goaltender and the faith that this organization and management is putting into Elias Shesterkin. Now, he did post a 16-14-3 record last season with a 9-16 save percentage, <clears throat> and he did finish fifth in Calder votings. He put up a 10-2-0 record in his first 12 career starts back in 2019 as well. So he is the real deal. The talent is most evidently there. But uh, how important will the 26-year-old have to be to put the blue shirts back in the postseason is the big question. Well, <clears throat> if you dissect this New York Rangers team, split them into three parts here. you got the offense, the defense, and the goaltending. Now the goaltending here... I think it's a solid situation. I think Shesterkin's going to be carrying that workload. You could even split time with Gorgiev if he's not requesting any more trades to leave this team. <clears throat> and if he is, you guys have the cap money to go out and get a decent goaltender to back up Shesterkin and maybe split some time. But Shesterkin is your A number one guy. Go back to the defensive end here. 
Uh, you have some really key pieces here. You have the one of the finalists for the Norris Trophy. I think he did he win the Norris. I'm not too sure if it was Hedman or <clears throat> the uh, Hedman or Fox, but uh, Fox will be leading the way on that defensive core. You can bet me on that. Uh, Truba as well will be a great piece to have. Uh, the defensive core, I think, is going to be safe and sound. It's just a matter of keeping the puck out of the back of the net for them because their offense, we'll move on to them right now and then, their offense is right there. That's where the creator of the crop comes. <clears throat> Panarin, Zibanejad, those two players, terrific. You got, hopefully, uh, Lafreniere making a bounce-back gear after an ugly start of rookie campaign. <clears throat> Capo Capco, I think he's in his sophomore season right now. Uh, he'll be uh, interesting to see how he performs. So you got the, all the right pieces. Uh, management, there's been a management change as well, so I think that'll affect the team immensely. And I think this New York Rangers team is in a great position. And I think it's going to start from the goaltending forward. Sturkin's the right guy to have in there. You have him locked up for a couple seasons. I think he's your guy. And this really could backfire me if he does post up an ugly record this season. But, <clears throat> hey, fifth in Calder voting. Uh, put up a pretty decent uh, season this shortened season with the New York Rangers. I think all the right signs are pointing to Elias Sturkin. I'm excited to see what he can do for this team, and hopefully we can see the New York Rangers back in the postseason. It's been a little bit. I don't really count that sort of playing around because they got manhandled by that Carolina Hurricane squad, but uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, Shesterkin was a great pickup, a great uh, draft pick, and of course an even better signing as of right now. Great for the New York uh, Rangers organization and the new management to lock them up uh, as quickly as they could. And we'll just move on to our final segment here. <clears throat> the NHL and the vaccination sort of stuff. So the league is jumping on board with the majority of the sporting world by making vaccines mandatory for players, <clears throat> staff, personnel, or just about anyone involved or within 12 feet of a member of the organization, uh, wh whichever organization is, the Leafs, the have whatever team, all 31 teams across their, sorry, 32 teams now across the National Hockey League. Now, the NFL did lay the hammer, like I mentioned off the top, some harsher punishments for those not choosing to be unvaccinated, including a massive pay decrease, an inability to reschedule games, cancel due to the COVID-19, and uh, the team with the outbreak had to be handed a loss on the standing. And we all know how football is affected by these games week to week. They're very hard to sort of postpone and reschedule, and they do mean a lot in the standings come the end of the year. Uh, the MLB has been a little bit less vocal with their uh, sort of mandates here. Uh, we haven't heard too much about vaccinations <clears throat> regarding fans and the players, but the NHL here has jumped the gun and will receive their players, at least will receive a pay cut and possible further discipline from the league <clears throat> if an outbreak occurs from them unvaccinated. Now, teams have already jumped the gun requiring fans to be fully vaccinated to attend games. The Winnipeg Jets, like we've talked about, have been one of them and many teams I can assume will follow. I wouldn't even be surprised if the Toronto Maple Leafs were to follow as well. But this is the right move, right move by the Toronto, Maple, uh, sorry, by the National Hockey League in specific. Now they're jumping on board with all these other major sporting leagues, and I don't blame them. Uh, it just holds them up accountable, and I think it's a lot better for themselves. Uh, you don't have a lot of liabilities. You're just reducing the amount of risk that will be here. <clears throat> Politically, I don't want to really lay my opinion on this podcast. I don't agree with the way that they're going to make it mandatory or whatever. I think it should be the athlete's choice. It's their body, and they're the reason why you're making money. Maybe let them decide what they want to put in their body before you sort of mandate it. But from a lead perspective, TV ratings and all that stuff, you're going to get less postponed games. I think it's going to be a much better, more effective season, and hopefully you can get that 82 games in if you're the National Hockey League and Gary Bettman. And I think this is a decent start. Uh, I think it had to be done. I think we were just counting down the seconds and the days until this was mandated. Finally, it is here, and I don't know how many players are going to have such a big problem with it, considering 
uh, the NHL is not as harsh as the NFL is. They're pretty loose compared to many other sporting leagues across the world. <clears throat> I'm going to be interested to see how the protocols work. Uh, there's going to be a, there's nothing set in stone yet for the protocols as of right now. We saw how last year worked. They had to be out for two weeks. I remember Nylander for the Maple Leafs had it as well. And a lot of players from my team, fantasy-wise, had COVID-19 as well. So the postponement of the games did not help my case at all in the fantasy, and it didn't help many other teams' cases in the regular season. It just made things much more stressful and condensed. <clears throat> I think this is the best step in the right direction for the NHL. Uh, jumping on board with any other sporting league. And uh, I think that's the big storyline here that we have to face. Uh, NHL vaccinations, they're going to be mandatory soon. As of right now, they're not extremely strict with it, but I'm sure maybe when things start to change across the National Hockey League, we might see things a little differently. But with the end of that segment, that concludes <clears throat> episode 26 of the Leafs Line Podcast. I apologize for my voice, guys. It's been a long day, long night, and I forgot to bring some water with me. So... Hey, you've been around this show 26 times and you still forget to bring water. Uh, I think that just goes to show how into it this show I am, how passionate I am, and how passionate I am about you guys, the fans, who, again, I can't stress this enough. I thank you so much. I appreciate everything you guys do, listening and tuning in to the show week to week. Uh, 500 views, man. I didn't think we'd get here this fast, but hey, uh, <clears throat> I appreciate it. It really helps me. Maybe kind of make me think I'm doing a pretty good job, and I appreciate you guys' kind words and uh, all the feedback. It's very positive. Uh, for the most part, I, I really enjoy it, guys. Uh, thank you so much. And I'm sure all the other guys here on the show would appreciate it as well. But that concludes episode 26 of the Least Line Podcast. I'd like to thank you guys all for tuning into this one. Uh, you should be able to catch us on Sunday. Uh, we have reached the dog days of summer, guys. We talked about this last week uh, when we sort of had a little bit of <clears throat> less entertaining news on the show. This week, I think, is a little bit following suit. But that does it for me, Mario Russo, your host of the Least Line Podcast. I hope you guys all have a great rest of your evening if you are listening to this late at night. But, uh, yeah, guys, thank you. Have a great evening, and I'll see you guys next week. Cheers, everyone. Have a good one.